Welcome to episode 199. In order to have a healthy body, they always talk about engaging your core. We're talking about re-engaging your ministry core for this next season. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 199 of the Reclaim Leader, Equipping Churches for Turnaround Change. I'm your host, Jason Tucker, with my partner in crime, the great Reverend Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? 199 episodes. Let's go. I love it, Jason. It's been so much fun over the past handful of years to talk shop with you and with uh, our guests and all those listening in. So thanks for being a part of the journey, whether you're new to uh, the Reclaim Leader or you've been following along for all those years. Thanks, Mom. I know you're the one. And uh, anyway, lots of- Thanks for the downloads, Mom. Yeah, thanks for the downloads. Thanks for the clicks. But uh, we've been really having a great time, honestly, the value of being in conversation with other leaders in our own, you know, we're talking general leadership principles a lot of the time, but I'd say the majority is focused right in the context of leading in the local church and trying to figure out how to navigate change, how to turn things around, how to to move fo- move a community of people forward toward a mission and vision that matters. And that's just, uh, that's what we want to be about. That's the kind of ministry that I want to be involved in. And, and Jason, you you want to be involved in. And I think our listeners too, those of you, all of you tuning in, you, you, we're part of that that group that really wants to not just put in our time in ministry, but do some things that matter for the kingdom and uh, that help shape a community for a really great purpose. So um, yeah, um, a little bit of a rant to start the day, but hey, love love what we're doing. Well, it feels, it definitely feels like there's always been a sense of urgency around change and church revitalization, all of that. But it's if you're not feeling that urgency now, well, first of all, you wouldn't be listening to us or really anything else. <laughs> I don't know what you'd be doing. Two down a long time ago. Retirement right? party, I guess. But yeah. I mean, this is like, this is, at, at, we need to be the church more than ever for the world. And I think all of us are just sort of asking, how do we, how do we do that? Well, how do we yep. as churches move toward greater faithfulness. And yeah, I get to talk to pastors all the time. I we working with churches who are going through this and it's incredibly exciting. The conversations that are happening because what this pandemic did was it, it really pushed us to make decisions and to take uncomfortable steps and to do things we actually hadn't really thought of before. And in some ways it, it's been a total godsend. Yeah. I know it's an additional piece to that. Not only did it create some urgency and need, but it also created some permission that I don't think as leaders, we always feel in the local church, for whatever reason, we're afraid of the pushback or just doesn't seem like we're the kind of church that could handle that kind of change or whatever. Now we had permission because we were in in an unprecedented moment in time in which adaptation and change were necessary and forced upon us. And so uh, I think we also discovered that our congregations for the most part, not always, but um, I'd say the majority of our people can handle change and yeah. not only can handle it, but as they begin to experience it, get an appetite for it and go, wow, look at what we did. Good job. Let's let's try something else. What else could we do? And when you start to hear that sort of dialogue out there, that's a that's a really good sign. And of course, Jason, 
um, in our Presbyterian uh, worlds that we walk around in, there will always be people who are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I don't know. You just got to push past that, I guess. Well, and then, you know, and sort of another thing, I know this isn't exactly what we're going to talk about in this episode, yeah. but you know, just as we're reflecting, I was thinking about how, again, so many of our older folks who maybe wouldn't have even taken a stab at getting on technology have yeah. really embraced it and have adapted incredibly well. And I just want to give a shout out and kudos to all of them who who never wanted or knew they wanted or cared or were afraid to get onto social media or whatever whatever platform we're using. And they've done it and they've they're good at it now. It's yeah, just so it's really cool. fun it's to so cool. talk to some of our small groups who tend toward the you know later seasons of life. They're kind of the experts now. They're like, yeah. oh, for our congregational meeting, we could do this and we could use that function and that feature. And I'm like, who are you and what what <laughs> just happened? Right. Anyway, so it is really neat. I think we've all um, grown in different kinds of ways. And um, so, yeah, I'm glad you lifted that example up because it's a great <laughs> one of people who maybe would have uh, scoffed at or rolled their eyes at or, you know, just kind of. Well, that's not for me because that's the younger generation's thing, you know, but ha- now we, we're kind of moved on to those platforms and people are using them and seeing the benefit of them. And we're connecting in ways that we weren't before. So that's, that's a good thing. So in, in the life of this podcast, we were, yeah. when we spoke last episode, last week's episode, we were like three weeks ahead. That's right. And now we are literally in real time. So we're back, you know, I'm back from vacation. We have another couple of things uh, going on, both Jesse and I, but it's interesting to look back on what we were thinking as far as, well, is there going to be another lockdown? Is there, and definitely things have been trending in that direction. I know for both of our states and perhaps our churches, but I don't think that negates what we're going to be talking about next, because I think this is actually vital. And we've been thinking a lot about this. You know, an exercise, I tell you all the time, it's really important to engage your core, that if if you suffer from lower back problems like I have, uh, they're always talking about doing exercises for your core. Your core is that group of muscles kind of deep down in the center of your body that provides- Somewhere under there, there's muscles, right? Pretty much everything. (laughs) Yeah. And I was thinking about how do how does that relate to sort of our core participants in the life of the church? Because I know a lot of them still are not what I would call energized mm-hmm. about coming back and participating in the mission of the church. So that's what we're talking about today. How do you re-engage your core, Jesse? Yeah, I love it. And you know, we did, we just came out of that conversation. I think we don't have to look at the current climate in the crisis mode that we had when the pandemic first hit and we were adapting and bringing in technology and navigating through all the hard decisions there, we've been through that. We're adaptable. We're ready for that. Right. So we're going to be handling that conversation as we go, whatever comes. And it gives us space because we now are sort of experts, not completely figured everything out, but we're, we're getting there on that piece. So now what does it mean to re-engage people around the mission, get our core excited about the purpose for which we have been called together as a community, as a congregation. And I love that you brought that up, Jason, because I think for a moment there was energy and engagement around the fact that we could be together again as a community. Whenever that started for your church, whether that was new or, or something you, you began doing a long time ago, but there was some initial momentum and excitement around that. And that was enough to carry us for a little bit. And now we're kind of, we need to take the next step. And I love the way you put it about reengaging our core and um, this thought of 
kind of rallying around the mission again, reminding each other, not just with words, but by actively doing something that says, remember what we're here for. Remember what we're trying to accomplish together and the part that you have to play in that and how much you matter as we move together toward this mission. So I love that kind of thinking. It gets me excited. It gives me goosebumps to even think about a group of people going, moving in the same direction together towards something. Um, and uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about how we can do that, Jason, because if we're going to re-engage our core, um, you know, it's going to, it doesn't just happen accidentally, right? Just like the muscles in your core and your body don't accidentally get in shape. What are some things that we can do to engage our core around the mission, rallying around that mission? Well, let's, let's first address what are some of the weaknesses of the core at this, at, at this time. And, sure. and for, for us, it's, uh, we had a lot of folks we would consider core people sort of get out of the habit of their church participation in some ways, or definitely have, have not been as engaged. And some of that has to do with not, again, they're sort of not stirred up. They're not, they're not feeling it, so to speak. So we've had a lot of our elders and deacons in our Presbyterian system. We have both. We've had a lot of elders and deacons who, what we did was we re-upped them all for another year because it felt like a lost year in 2020 because so many things became very staff heavy. Staff did a lot of the heavy lifting of the ministry and a couple of things happened. I mean, one, and one of those is our elders and deacons felt like they weren't really utilized. And that is a recipe for disaster. You know that if you, I mean, all of our time is very precious. And if you volunteer time for something and then feel like they're not using you, you're not going to volunteer again. You're going to feel like, well, I mean, listen, I chose you. I chose to volunteer in the church. It was the right thing to do. And of all the other things going on in my life, and then you didn't use me, so I'll pass. I, I, I only want to do something that's really going to be meaningful. And I, I think that is an outcome of one of the outcomes of this last year. And so if it's true for the elders and deacons, what about everybody else, right? I'm yeah. sure that there's a sense of they're just not feeling engaged because they feel like they haven't been needed in a way. Yeah, almost like there's been kind of relegated back to passive participant. Yeah. And now how do I step back into having some impact and influence and ownership is it maybe a word that we could use in this whole thing. And so um, for a little while, once when we moved on to a completely virtual online service, everybody with, except for a few people that were maybe helping with that were passive participants. And maybe we invited them to give to something um, or we, you know, said, you know, give your neighbor, a, a shoot, shoot somebody a text message to let you know, let them know that you're thinking about them. You know, there were some things that we invited people to do, but it wasn't leading things. It wasn't hands-on ownership of things. And so um, I think you're right. There's sort of a lost year or more. And now how do we re-engage in those behaviors that create a sense of my time, my effort, my skills, abilities, gifts, they can be put to use for this mission too. I'm not just a passive recipient of what happens here at the church. I mean, and I think there are crucial. many ways of, of hitting this. Here's what we're doing. So just to give an example, I want to kind of put some yeah, flesh and concrete flesh on these bones here is that every year, and this just happens to work out with the timing of the year for us. Every year, our church has an opportunity to help with a local event that happens. So uh, the Fairhaven Fire Department, which is in a town next door to us, 
they do something that's been an area tradition for a long time, for like a hundred years or something. They've had this thing called the Fireman's Fair. And I know that's not unique. I know many towns do this. But the idea is it raises money for the volunteer fire department and they have like rides and a Ferris wheel and they have food and all sorts of stuff. It's a big thing that like every kid in the area is at this fair all week. Like it's just a huge deal. And everybody's got a memory of growing up and going to the fair. It's a big cultural event. So what we decide to do is this is one of those instances where like, why create another event for outreach? Why don't we just see if we can help out and see if they need any volunteers? And so we gave them a call and they're like, yes, please. We would love people to staff our games and, and you know, they have those, they don't you know, throw the dart at the balloon kind of games and stuff like that. So, so we started doing that a few years ago and all we do is we wear, we had these shirts made just say Tower Hill Church. And we all wear the shirts and we run the games. And it's amazing what that has done, not just for the community and people noticing our presence there, but for the volunteers, because they feel like they could be anywhere on the map spiritually. They don't have to know all the spiritual answers. They don't have to even have a spiritual conversation. All they're doing is they're putting on the shirt and they're having fun and they're representing the church. And what's happening is then they get into conversations Oh, because people will go and they're like, oh, I see everybody's got these shirts and what's Tower Hill and what's, oh yeah, it's the church I go to, you know, and, and it creates conversations and points out, and yeah. they, at the end of it, they feel like they've just done this major evangelism effort, even though they didn't realize that's what they were doing going in. And it creates so much energy. The first thing off their lips, what's the next thing we can do? Yeah, yeah. So for us, this is actually happening next week. So this is perfect timing as we go into the fall, because I feel like we really need this. We really need this will help engage people because they're feeling a sense of mission. Like we're getting out there. We're meeting people in the community. We're doing something. So that's our huge win for us. Yeah, I think that's a really good example. And I think it could be different kinds of things that maybe in the rhythm of your church uh, or community, maybe it, it's nice if it's not something brand new that you have to just create from scratch, right? So for us, we had more of an in, in-house, it's also an outreach opportunity, but we had we had VBS um, before, right as numbers were starting to pick up. So we were able to kind of do that pretty effectively. We had a whole bunch of families show up and a lot for a lot of these kids, it was the first organized activity back after, um, you know, after time away or whatever. So I think that... Um, that piece there for our volunteers that showed up, it was so energizing, so impactful. And uh, we had more people show up to help with VBS than we've had in recent memory from decorating and getting the whole place ready to uh, coming and actually physically serving and volunteering during the week. And, um, and then, you know, VBS kind of beats you up and wears you out after a little while. But at the end of the week, there was so much excitement, so much um, kind of that same thing of what are we going to do next? Or I can't wait to, to see what happens from here. And um, so what is that thing that you can invite your people into to help them feel connected, remind them of the purpose of the church, like what we're trying to accomplish together, and then um, sets them up for success around that, that kind of generates that appetite again for involvement or engagement. And I think it's easy to kind of get to, to that passive place and to kind of sit down and it's hard sometimes to get back up off the couch and start it up again. Yeah. And I just, I think about it with, with my kids. Sometimes um, you kind of have to talk them into 
things, right? That, you know, they're going to enjoy, but it, at the beginning, they're not sure that they want to do because they're kids and that's what they do to their parents, right? They're like, Dan. so the other <laughs> night um, I was like, Hey, let's go throw the baseball around and uh, just let's go over to the ball field and hit some balls. And the, both the kids were like, dad, can we just sit here and watch TV? And I was like, no, let's go. Let's go have some fun. You guys love this. And so we got over there. We threw the ball around. We hit some balls and we, we, we had a good time. We were laughing and having fun. And at the end, all three of us were really glad that we did it. Right. It was like, yeah, that was fun, dad. Thanks. Or whatever. And I think there may be some of that going on where if we can just get people to step back into those things, they'll remember how good it is and why it's fun to be a part of it. And it'll create an appetite for more um, and a desire to get, get going again. So I don't know what those things are for each church or for each uh, organization, you know, but uh, finding a way to, to, pull people back in and then giving some follow-up things. So I don't know what you guys will do off the back end of that, but we have um, some things coming up, you know, um, kind of a monthly children and families event that we're inviting our VBS volunteers to be a part of. And then we're hosting our presbytery in the fall. If depending on the pandemic numbers and all that, we'll see what happens, but it's another place where people can come and kind of rally to serve, not just us, but others that we're hosting. And so finding ways to engage your core, get people involved in the mission. Um, I think it, it's crucial. So I'm, as a timely topic, Jason. And so for us, we have our Tower Hill Sunday where we do like inflatables. We're going to get food yeah. trucks and all that. It's going to be the end of September. So it's good timing because it'll give the people at the fair something to invite people to. Totally. Hey, if you want to do something, we got another fun event happening at the church. You can check it out on our website, whatever it's coming up. We're going to have inflatables, food trucks, right? So it's a real easy next thing to invite people to. But again, totally. engaging your core, I think if you could get find ways to excite them, get them stirred up to rally around the mission, because I think everybody really does want to do something, I, but I think they need to do something that actually is exciting. I don't think, yeah. I think people want to have fun. I think if, if, if you can invite them into something that has an element of fun, I think it's a win and it's a yeah. way to get them to say yes Sort of, sort of like your kids, right? It's a way to get them to say yes. If you might take a little coaxing, but um, if it's something that's going to be fun, they're going to want more. Yeah, totally. And I think too, this is where we can be creative um, and think about different kinds of ways to go about that. And um, it doesn't have to be a, a huge event, um, but it can, just something that reminds the community of what what they're connected to, why what their role in it matters, and. Um, I, I liked what you were kind of talking about. How how do we help people that are our key volunteers, or not even just key volunteers, but anyone that's going to come serve in the life of the church, feel a depth of ownership, almost as if they are part of the staff team, part of the leadership of the church. Like, how do you create that environment where they go, I'm I'm not just machinery here. I'm not just a necessary piece of you know, the puzzle. And, um, so I just, I play my role and then I go home or whatever, but to really create a space where they feel like what they're doing matters, they have some input and say in what happens. And they're, they're almost like ancillary staff. Like how do you create that environment? Yeah, that's a great question. That's not something that I feel like our church has mastered, but it's something that we are working on as we speak is how do we help our volunteers feel appreciated. 
I mean, that's why do volunteers quit or why do they burn out? It's usually because they don't feel appreciated or don't feel listened yeah. to. Or we change the rules, right? We ask right. them to do one thing and then they do something and they're asked to do something else, right? Yeah. But but it's more than volunteering. It's if if we say, if we really believe what we say and that it's participating in the mission to volunteer, then how do we really drive that home? How do we really um make that so not in not treat it like it's just I'm, I just need oh, I need another body for the fourth grade you know what I mean so one of the things that I think we're thinking a lot about is how do we just treat them more like staff so we have this little area where we set up coffee and maybe some donuts or something for people when they're coming in in the morning and we're going to make it a point to say this area is both for our paid staff and our volunteer staff. And I think we're going to use the word staff mm-hmm. just to cover everybody and say, this is our staff area volunteers. This is, you know, you're welcome here to sort of get your name tags or whatever you're going to get. And just to start getting them to see themselves as oh wait a second, I'm not just the substitute for the day. I'm part of like what the staff is doing. And I think those little things matter way more than we totally. realize. Yeah. And, and I know for our church, we need to pay a lot more attention to it. Yeah. Well, I think everybody likes the experience of being behind the curtain, right? Yeah. I'm, beh- I'm part of the, I'm part of what makes this thing go. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm as I'm valued here and I'm allowed to see behind the scenes and how things tick and understand some access. of the, re- yeah, yeah, I have access to that. And I, I'm part of the, I understand the reason why we're doing what we're doing. And I was really proud of our team. Again, going back to our VBS example at the beginning and the end of the day, we did kind of similar to what we would do with our staff meetings where we asked people, you know, hey, any input from the day, you know, yesterday, what did, what did we miss? What did we need to do differently? How can we set you up for success in kind of debriefing? But then there was God sightings. What did you see? What did you hear? You know, what experience did you have? And, and we in saying something, you know, we do this as a staff team and we love that we're getting to do this with all of our VBS team this week and kind of process what God's doing and reminding ourselves of what we're about. And so they're kind of getting a little taste of, of being a part of this the team is this, we're treating them as if they are a a staff team member and not just a, um, you're here to play a function. So I think that makes a huge difference. And so however you accomplish that, whether it's through donuts and coffee, Dunkin' Donuts strategy from Jason Tucker, or like, (laughs) I I think that's it though, creating that sense of access or I'm behind the curtain. I'm part of, I I get to see and experience things in a, in a, in a kind of a, I don't know. Does that make sense? I mean, it's just yeah, one of those yeah. things. We all I mean, had that feeling where we felt like we were welcome to the inside and we go, wow, that feels really great. Yeah. And if you're in Tacoma, it's, you know, coffee and CrossFit, right? I mean, everybody's yeah, coffee and CrossFit. Right? I mean, yeah. that's like, yeah. yeah, that's how it goes out there. Bagels and cream cheese or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So how can you make them feel part of it? And the other thing is we've been talking with our communications folks about putting out perhaps monthly. I don't think we've decided yet just a little short video from me and just yeah. a, maybe a little update and that only volunteers get. So it's a way of just sort of not only sort of training them and bringing them in the conversation, but making them feel like, wow, I get to be part of the conversation. Yeah. I think you said something before we hit record that I think is so true is that oftentimes we find ourselves apologizing that people have to volunteer. Yeah. And I don't think that's the right approach. I think it's like, yeah. isn't it awesome? We get to participate in this mission together. Yeah. And saying, because for me as a staff person who gets a paycheck, right, I, I kind of look at these people and go, you're giving your time. And so I kind of go, hey, thank you so much for giving your time. And wow, that's a lot. And man, I can't believe, you know, whoa, look at that. Instead of going, 
it, what an amazing gift. Thank you. You got, man, you guys are awesome. This is so cool that you're here and giving so much time to this. It matters because, and you're noticing it in a different way than sort of the apologetic way, which is, I'm sorry that, you know, I'm sorry that we took up so much of your time and you have precious time and no, they're giving it as a gift. So celebrate it in yeah. that way. And I think that's, that makes a big difference too. The noticing, I love that video idea, Jason, of just saying, we notice you, you matter to us. You're part of our team. Thank you for doing what you're doing. That's, that's really a big deal. And we're recording so much video content now that to bang out a one minute thing once a month is really not a big deal anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we, really we're not. doing some projects around the church that I think I mentioned earlier called Celebrate 100. We're getting ready to celebrate 100 years. And at the beginning, it was sort of, wow, this is, you know, I got to put these videos together. And now I just did another one yesterday. I, in one take, it took seven minutes to do the whole thing. And it was done. You know, I mean, we've so we've grown in our technical skills and abilities that allow us now to do some of those touch points that are are more relational because they're video. They're not a long content of email that we have to create and write and think through and grammar and spelling and punctuation and formatting. Now we just get a, we just get to share our heart and it's more relational, more connected. So I think video um, with, you know, a, a video message is a great way to accomplish that. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, what I would say about engaging, engaging your core is, it may not be uh, something that maybe you would think about right away, but I've, I think it's related. And that is, I want to make sure everything we're doing on Sunday morning in our worship is as engaging as possible. Here's what I mean. I've noticed this summer, we definitely went into summer mode. And I, I noticed in some of our worship, like I'm finding myself pretty bored by what we're doing. <laughs> and I know that, that that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. And here's what I mean. Like, and I think you already touched on this, Jesse, is that a lot of our folks have become very passive worshipers Mm -hmm. compared to what they used to be. It's felt the music time has felt more like performance than participation. And so my instructions to both of our, we, we have worship leaders for each style of worship. So for both of our worship leaders, I said, here's what we're going to do. And you've heard me say this before, Jesse, I want you to give them the mac and cheese between now and Thanksgiving. Don't add any jalapenos. Don't get crazy. Just give them mac and cheese. In other words, what are the top 10, 15, 20 songs that we do, that we do well, and that people, when they hear them, they can't help but sing along to them? What are sort of the anthems that people can't help sing along to? Those, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Between now and Thanksgiving. Consistent, consistent. Familiar, we need to engage, familiar. engage, engage. Yeah. I want them engage, to participate yeah. in worship and feel like yeah. they're, I mean, you yeah. know what it is because it's easy to sit back and worship and just receive, but what would, what can we do to just help them engage? I think that's part of this equation. Kind I of think that's part of Relearning some of those behaviors. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, um, this is not my default thing. And I kind of, sometimes I roll my eyes when preachers do this, but let's all say this together. Blah, 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 or whatever. And um, now you have to be careful and genuine about those sorts of things. But are there ways to invite engagement, even during the worship time where you set it up in a certain way? You just say, hey, listen, maybe you haven't been, you know, singing along, uh, you know, while you were watching online. But now, you know, this I want you to get let's get back into this mode of singing out and and sharing our heart with God as we we sing praise and worship. I, maybe we even need to just coach our people up a little bit around that and go, listen, let's let's go again. And then I think it's it's always a good idea, like you said, to take a really honest look at what you're doing and go, are we 
is, is, are we mailing it in at all? Is there any way in which we're not putting our best foot forward? What can we do strategically or in our decisions we're making about the specific content we include to make sure that we're, we are being as engaging as possible. Um, and that takes, again, planning ahead, thinking it through. It's not just, it can't be week to week and make that happen. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I folks out there, I don't know what you need to do to help engage your core team of people, but I, hopefully this gives you some ideas because we, we need them. We need yeah. them. It, we can't just think that we as pastors are going to be able to run everything. And I know some, you know, some of you out there, I, and I know you, you know, I'm talking to you because we have a relationship. You've been doing everything. When the pandemic came, you started doing the video, you started doing it along with everything else. It's time to hand that off. It's time to re-engage your core and to get them to mobilize them to do the work that really is the people's work to do. It's not ours to do. And you can even say something, Jason, like this. I was listening to this podcast the other day, and I don't know if these guys are right or wrong about re-engaging our core, but hey, listen, let's all get together. And as a community, we're going to brainstorm an idea that we want to do, something that's going to help us move forward together and get everybody involved. It doesn't have to be your idea. You don't have to be the one to dream up the the festival that you're going to create or whatever, like let everybody else do it and let them take it and run. So even if you're you're hearing us share these ideas and you're like, I don't know what that is for us. Maybe the idea is getting your core together and saying, let's do something. I don't know what that's going to be, but I can't wait to find out. Let's dream together. So I think there are ways to, to move forward and to say to your congregation, I need you. We need you. We're a family together. This is not a staff and you sit and watch kind of deal. So Whatever it takes to to get there, uh, I think that is some of the work in front of us. Um, Even as we navigate through this, uh, again, sort of a resurgence and some of the complications around that, we're we're, we're not experts. We're we're really well-schooled in that now, so we can navigate that. It's not crisis mode anymore, so we can't use that as an excuse not to move forward in these other areas. Well said, Pastor. Well said. Good stuff. Hey, uh, so... We're in a, a interesting spot in the podcast. So this is episode 199. We're looking forward to 200. Both Jesse and I have our sort of last some bit of summer vacation here. So we're going to do something we don't do a lot. And we're going to take a week off. And we're going to come back with episode 200 right after Labor Day weekend. So that's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun getting that done and uh, talking about, gosh, 200 episodes. It's uh, It's a milestone for us. We hope that you've enjoyed the journey. And you know, I, this is such a help to me in my ministry just to talk yeah. about this. And Jesse, I'm so thankful for that. But we, we'll talk about that in due course. But just so you know, don't wait on an episode for next week. But in two weeks, we'll come back with our 200th installment of The Reclaim Leader. That's amazing, Jason. What a crazy, crazy stretch. Think about the last handful of years and what, what is, all has transpired. So grateful for the conversation as well. Well, hey, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Would you please leave a review for us on iTunes? We read those reviews. We're so thankful for them, and it helps other people to find our podcast. And until next time, remember, ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together. Take care. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 